Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash-flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. And today we got a really cool, we are in the third part of a series, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly of Sierra Point. And today's going to be a really cool little episode where we have my students that are very successful in their own right. So we have Waleska Inglesia and Scott Dilly of Greenstone Capital. They came in and they did their first. So these are very successful single family fix and flippers. And they do a little wholesaling as well. Been in business for a good amount of time and really, truly crushing it. Who decided to like take the journey to the multifamily side. And by the way, they got this first deal under contract and they didn't have any websites. They had no experience. They actually didn't even underwrite any properties, right? They've never underwritten a deal at all until this deal came on their lap. They didn't have any business cards. So like a lot of people are listening right now. You say, oh, I got to get all these things going on and I got to get all this stuff before I start. It's simply not true. Scott, Dilly, and Waleska Iglesias, they took action. They jumped out of the plane without the parachute and started doing the things that were needed to be able to jumpstart their process of getting their first multifamily deal. And guess what? It worked, right? It's not rocket science. It can happen and it will happen. And it can happen to you, my friend. That little piece that you're missing is right there on the tip of success but you've got to go out there and go take it. you got to go grab it. That's what Scott and Waleska did. They didn't wait. They didn't dilly-dally. They just went out for it. And guess what? Things happen when you set yourself in motion. And so I uh, really want to, I'm looking forward to having Scott and Waleska on the show. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right. So we're back. So listen, this episode is going to be really good because you saw my, the first was the good. Our last episode was kind of the bad, all the things that went wrong. And today we're going to sum it up with kind of this whole deal and how it came to fruition from Scott and Waleska's point of view, because this is their first multifamily deal. And so it's very fresh and raw. And we'll let them talk about all the things that went good and bad and how we ultimately did a wonderful thing and bought this deal. So uh, guys, let's welcome Scott and Waleska to the show. Hey, Scott Waleska, welcome to the show. Hey, hey Corey. Thanks for having us. Good, good. So really cool about, I'm excited about this episode just because we just did the good and the bad. And this is not the ugly section. This is the one that is the real life of taking some very successful, you guys are both successful in your own right in the single family space. And I'll let you guys just quickly introduce both yourselves and kind of what you guys have been doing because 
you've got a remarkable story and you've been very successful in the single family business that you've been in. So Leska, let you start. So I'm Oleska Iglesias. I'm a broker here in Salt Lake in Utah. I've been in real estate for 17 years now. Started traditionally with traditional real estate. Then when the market crashed, I went on to doing short sales, then on to flips. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Flips and of course, traditional stuff for friends and family, but the majority is flips. And that's what I've been doing here. Yeah, rock and roll. How long have you guys been partnered for? Seven years. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Uh, well, ask you, you want to take that one on? <laughs> no. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, stop. <laughs> so how we met is, well, Esco's working with a gentleman that we both knew. He left to go to another market and they had wholesale a deal to me previously. And that's how I had been introduced to Waleska because this mutual friend had wholesaled me a flip. So when he left, I had a, a property on the market and Waleska had a buyer. So she put an offer on one of my flips with one of her buyers and they didn't perform. They made me fix stuff on my flip, include cutting trees, which was unnecessary. And then they backed out of my deal. So it was not a, a very good first impression. But anyway, after that, we had just talked on the phone and I knew that her business partner had left. I had ended a relationship with my business partner. So we were both doing the same thing. And that was flipping short sales. Yep. And uh, so we just met and decided to, to join forces. Yeah, and it's been really well. You guys have done really well in Salt Lake and truly have crushed it. And now you guys are entering a new phase of the portfolio, which you guys are adding to it, still doing your single family fix and flip. But you guys came to me and said, hey, we want to learn multifamily. And I got to tell you, you guys not only picked it up quick, but went to town fast. And I would love to hear about how you guys found Sierra Point. He wants to go with that. You got, Scott, you want to? Yeah, sure. I'll take that piece. Yeah, so we've been involved with Corey for just over a year in his mastermind. And we had checked out his boardroom, I think, about two years ago. And unfortunately, we didn't take any action. I wish we had done something back then. January, February, I think it was, we were attending one of Corey's masterminds. And, you know, just one of the things that Corey had taught us was, hey, you need to contact a broker in the area you want to work in and go meet them. So prior to getting to the event, I had reached out to a broker in Tucson, which was one of the markets we had identified during our one-on-one with Corey as a market that we wanted to work in. So I sent an email out to the broker and asked if he would be willing to meet with us and just said, hey, we're going to be in town on this specific day. Would you have you know, time to meet with us for over breakfast? And you know, would you be willing to share any deals? And he responded, yes, he would meet with us. So what we did was the day before that we were supposed to attend Corey's meeting, we headed down to Tucson and we had breakfast with him. At that particular meeting, he brought two deals with him and showed us the two deals. He took us on a tour of one of those deals after lunch. And it was at that tour after lunch, he brought a third deal. He told us, hey, here's another deal that I have. I don't have it signed up. We're thinking we're going to get signed up, but see if you're interested in this particular deal. So he gave us that deal to look at and we went back to the mastermind and we had a number of people there help look at the numbers, underwrite it. Corey underwrote it there. We determined by the numbers that- I want to pause you for just a minute because I want to go back and break down that for just a minute. So I want everybody to hear what just happened because this is so important. Like you guys did exactly what I teach, which is, hey, go find some people, uh, brokers in areas you want to work with, and then go have 
break some bread with them, right? You had breakfast. Now, at that breakfast, what did you guys talk about at that meeting? Like, what was going on? What was the conversation like? Yeah, we didn't talk anything about real estate. We asked the broker about him. And I swear, Wolaski, he probably talked for 45 minutes about him and his family. We didn't talk any real estate. He told yeah. us Did he like cars his- or something like that, fast cars. He likes cars. He told us he grew up in Wisconsin. He told us his life story. And just really, like we, we didn't talk real estate at all. We just got to know the broker. And so at the end of that meeting, that breakfast, he felt good enough. Now, he brought a couple deals to that meeting, right? Is what you said, right? And so then he was already planning, hey, listen, I got some open time. What are you guys doing this afternoon? Maybe I'll go show you. Let's go meet and I'll show you this property. Yep. He basically said that. You got time after lunch? We said, yeah. He moved some things around and he met us at one of the properties after lunch and took us on a tour of the property. Yeah. Yeah. To show us one of the ones he had brought us in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ones that were on the market already. He had two deals and he's like, hey, I'll bring this one. But on that way to that property, he actually got a deal. And he's like, but I got this one. I don't have it locked up. I Meaning he didn't have it signed by the seller. So he showed you a off market deal. No one has even seen this deal. Correct. Right. Correct. How cool is that? It was yeah. very cool. That was just yeah. from like, I went there, I showed up, I played the game. I got to know somebody and three potential deals show, show up while you're there. Yeah. So that particular property we met him at, it was pretty rough in not a real good area. And that's when he showed us the other one. And so after that meeting, we drove by Sierra Point afterwards by ourselves. Okay. So he said, let's go take a quick little drive by. We don't disrupt it. We don't do anything weird. Just here's that property. Here's where it's at. Like, oh, this is in a better spot, right? Yep. Okay. And so from there, now the next day you're coming to the mastermind. And I remember that. Because uh, you're like, hey, well, let's just look at this deal. Let's see if the numbers work. Yeah. And then we punch all the numbers in and we're like, dude, I think this is a deal. Yep. And I was like, call the guy up and get it locked up. Yeah. So yeah, we sent an LOI right then and there. Yeah. We sent the LOI that evening. We sent him the LOI. Yeah. And I mean, he sent us a pricing sheet and I called him up and I said, okay, where do we need to be? And he told us where we need to be. And I kind of tried to give some pushback, but it was like, hey, if you want the deal, this is what you pay. This is the earnest money. If you don't want to do that, that's no big deal. But if you don't, I'll shop it somewhere else and I'll get those numbers. Mm-hmm. So he gave us kind of like, here's what it is. Now, yep. just so everybody knows, this broker is not just any ordinary broker in Tucson, Arizona. He probably does, what, 75% of the big business transactions in that market? Yeah, he's He's the, it's not more. It's not more. Yeah, he's, Probably the he's, biggest broker in Tucson. And 100 doors plus, he's the he's the big guy. Yeah. So, by the way, this is the power of relationships. So, how uh, Scott and Wesley got that guy is I have a good friend that's a Bercadia rep, and we're not going to say the broker's name, but I have a great Bercadia lender that then found the Bercadia broker and made the connection for Scott and Wesley. So, by leveraging people, by the way, is like the best way to get in the door, right? And that really made your lunch and breakfast so much better because it was a quality referral or handoff, right? So he was way more apt to talk to you as, hey, you guys can do deals. And now it helped also that you guys have not been, this is not your first game in real estate. You've been playing the game for a long time. Just on the single family side, all the multifamily side is a little bit more doors and a couple more zeros, right? So you felt very comfortable. Now let's talk about my screw up. This is, 
So, <laughs> so Scott will ask you, like, dude, we got this off my, but like, can't tell anybody. I'm like, yeah, yeah I got it, man. I'm like, you got to get that. Yeah, yeah. He told us, Corey, he told us, I'm going to give this to you, but do not share it with anybody. He was very specific. Do not share it with do anybody. Do not share it. So, what does Scott do? He shares it with me. <laughs> well, my and, mentor, my we're team, right? I, right. I think it was okay. And so we're doing this deal, and I'm like getting the numbers. I was like, dude, you got a deal. You got a deal here. And I'm already like thinking three steps ahead. And so I was like, I got to call this management company called MEB that's in Tucson. And I want to ask them about this property, see if they know it. And I was doing it to make just an introduction just for Scott in Alaska. And so I call her name's um, Kim. Kim, yeah. I call Kim and I go, Kim, <laughs> hey, I got some good friends in my introduction and I'm talking about this property. She goes, and then she asked me, well, what property? And dude, I wasn't even thinking. And I go, Sierra Point. Now, Kim is sitting at that exact moment that I call. Guess where she's sitting? She's sitting in the office of Sierra Point. <laughs> and she goes, well, that's funny. I'm sitting right here in the office. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'm like, oh, my God. Right. And so what does Kim do? She Kim immediately calls who? The seller, not the broker, but the seller and says, you're going to sell Sierra Point. Now, this catches on like wildfire. It goes right back to the broker. Broker calls Scott back up. And what does he say, Scott? He was pissed. He was like, I told you not to tell anybody. You went out sharing this deal. And I was like, no, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. It didn't work that way. I swear he was pissed beyond belief. Oh my God. Hung up on so me. mad. He hung up the phone on me and I said, I'm about to get you the LOI. He says, don't worry about it. And click hung up. <laughs> oh, I can't get any better than this. This is such a great story. Everybody in the class was like, <laughs> Oh my God. And I'm just there going, son of a bitch. Gosh, damn it. But I'm like, don't worry. We got this deal. I'm telling you, I got it. Like, hold on. And so now I'm calling back my girl. I'm like, Kim, you just screwed my deal, dude. I'm trying to like, and so she's running back and putting everything back together. And within a couple of hours, we kind of get somewhat back into square, don't we? Or feels, yeah, he's, it's not perfect. No, but he's okay with it. And this is a big thing now, because I'm going to fast forward a little bit into this deal because brokers have short memories. Write that down in your mind, underline it. Like they have very short memories. They will not remember anything about labor, which is what we were doing here. That was labor. All they remember is the baby you closed, right? That's my analogy of having a baby, right? Brokers never remember anything about the labor process. If you close, that's all they remember. Scott and Alaska closed and they want to have another baby, right? Every time. And so that's just a prereq of what happens because that's exactly what happened with Scott. It took us a while to get him cool. And so talk about the going under contract process. What was that like for you guys? Because I think it's very normal that we had to wait so long and get it all negotiated. Remember I'll talk about some of the things that we found in that process. Remember the contract, like that was a big deal, right? Yeah. A lot of redlining back and forth. Say it took what, maybe three weeks. Well, let's talk not- about the due diligence piece. Remember the due diligence yeah. item that we found? Oh, the non-refundable part. Yes, that's the first. Yeah. So we had to put up $100,000 non-refundable mm-hmm. on acceptance. And then they want an additional $100,000 after 30 days. So okay. it was $200,000. Mm-hmm. We sent them our contract. And 
after like they looked at it, they're like, no, 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 no. We're just going to send you ours. And so my attorney's like, oh, all right, whatever. We'll make it make the say the same thing. So they send over a new contract. And now this is what happens a lot of times. The seller is really unengaged. He's like in China or I don't know. He's, he's not paying attention. He's got art or he's got the broker and the broker has kind of hired one of his buddies as an attorney. And I don't think they ever looked at our, either our LOI or the contract that we submitted. He just templated one up and shot it over. And here's what's the thing about like why you want to hire really good legal representatives. Because we're like, dude, we, we were trying to figure out a way to not have hard earnest money because we didn't want to go hard on day one. Right, guys? Remember that? And then Wayne one day is going over with us. He's like, guys, the way this contract's written, you're not hard. And we're like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah. It says it right here, very plain English, that it's $100,000 earnest money of which, and it's non-refundable all of $100 is non-refundable. The other 999,000 is refundable. And it said it clearly in like a couple lines. He's like, Corey, so you got $100 really, truly hard. I remember us, we're like, what? You missed think- the zero. <laughs> yeah, we like, do you think they know? He's like, well, it's their contract and they sent it to us and it's not red line. So let's just assume that they know what their contract says and we'll sign it. And so that's what we did. We signed a contract. I still don't think they even know what they signed because we never had to use that. You know, we ended up wanting the deal, but truly we were only hard for that first hundred thousand or hundred dollars of the first hundred thousand. I think that was a win for us, right? Because that made us a lot less uneasy as we went through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about due diligence? What was your take on due diligence, Waska, when we went to the property? Well, we went, walked around, we met the property manager that you work with, that Corey works with, and just did, well, this was the, the initial one, not the yeah. one that we have to give everybody notice to go into every unit. But we went around, checked the roof, checked the boiler system. I think she walked us around, well, in fact, she did, to one that was vacant, walked around the property. So it was pretty much, they had just fixed the roof. So the roof was in good shape. And I think you even brought your drone, right? And you mm-hmm. flew, yep, flew up top yeah. there. Yep. Uh-huh. And what was your guys' impression after we did due diligence, Scott? Like we looked at our deal. We looked at our numbers. What did you guys feel after that? How'd you feel? I thought it was a solid deal. We end up doing that due diligence process. We end up walking through all 84 units. Yeah. And I was surprised. I mean, they're in pretty good shape, I thought. Yeah. A couple of hoarders, right? A couple of like- yeah, There was a couple of hoarders, but we fixed and flipped for a long time. So it wasn't anything new. And out of 84, I think there was maybe, there was one really bad one hoarder. And there might've been one or two that were in pretty bad shape. But other than that, I thought it was in pretty good shape. Yeah. And what we'd really found out was all the pets, right? Yeah. How many people had pets that weren't on a pet policy? Yeah. Lots of pets. That's a lot of income, by the way. And that's one that we're working on uh, actively obtaining right now. So pretty cool. So that's what due diligence will do. So that's how we came out of that due diligence. Like, hey, I think this is exactly what we thought it was, right? There was no big flags like, oh my gosh, this looks like it's a deal killer. And it was none of that. It was like, this is absolutely a deal. And like Leska mentioned, they had just put on that new roof. And I think it transferred, I think with five or 10 year warranty on that roof. Five year warranty. Five year warranty. So yeah, it was good. So we're feeling pretty happy at this point. Like, I think we got the right deal with the right problems. We all, they all seem like they're very fixable coming from that rehab business and the single family. It's like, okay, yeah, this seems pretty straightforward. 
right? So now we're raising money. So we got to raise money, right? And you guys committed to raising a good chunk of money. I think you raised almost $1.5 million out of the gate, your first time raising capital. First of all, I want to give you a, a nice little golf clap here because not everybody does that. And you guys performed so well. And so I'm going to direct this to Willaska because Willaska is kind of like the hammer. She's like the financial powerhouse. <laughs> she was really, I think, more responsible for bringing that money in. Willaska, I want to get your opinion. How did that feel? How did it go? Well, it's, I mean, you think you have all this money, right? <laughs> right? Until it's actual time for them to put it up. So, I mean, I have been raising some money, private money for our flips. So I had that side of it, had some contacts there friends and family and business associates that came through. And I explained the deal, the passive side of it. And yeah, it was, I mean, they had a lot of questions, a lot of learning, a lot of things that I needed to go back, ask, but all in all, I think it went pretty well. I mean, they were- I think you know, it went amazingly well. I think you've done way better than I thought you were going to personally, right? And because everybody thinks it's going to be easy, but it does get a little hard. And then you start learning- that it's a really a little bit different language than just a, hey, I'm going to give you a note to trust and give you some money. Right. right. And give it to you back in three to six months. Yeah. It's yeah. very different to tell them it's going to be a five-year hold. And we're going to operate. We got to do all these things. And then you yeah. get your money back. Exactly. And so, so, yeah, those were different discussions for you to have. But you had a lot of people say yes to that. Yeah. I mean, I had to prep them, talk to them a few times. Went on your the webinars. We all went on that. So yeah, it is a lot of while you're doing the due diligence, doing all that stuff. That's the time that you need to be talking to your investors. Yeah, and kind of prepping them, getting them ready because then they have to wire, and that's the hard part. Sometimes they'll soft commit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then when it comes down to it, things happen. Yeah, yeah, then it's really hard, or all of a sudden you don't hear from them. But I lucked out. I mean, I was I got a lot of them actually. Yeah. I think you're very persistent. I think that's the piece that, you know, you can be not too, you know, like not a pain in the ass, but just enough persistent. And I think the reason why you raise a lot of money is because of your integrity. You and Scott's integrity together as a team, that's usually what raises money more than anything else is integrity. Like you say, a lot of this private money, we've been working with these people for five years. Mm -hmm. And you are right. you give them their money back, plus their interest. You're always updating them. And I think that goes a long way. And then you're, they're calling you, hey, when's your next deal? How can I get into your next deal? Because they know. Yeah. How do you feel about going into your next deal now? You feel a lot more confident about what the process is? and Oh, yeah. 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 It's night and day difference now. Yeah. yeah. Next deals it's, are, it's much easier talking to them, going through this whole process. Just, and now you guys are on the map. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys are operators. You guys are doing big deals, right? And so it's funny how money, they're always skeptical at first on your first one, but once they see you do it and you start kind of moving into that space, 
They're like, oh yeah, well we want, because then it comes FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, I'll, I got to jump on that deal. I don't want to get missed out because there may not be another one for a while. Right. So yeah. I thought you did an amazing job raising money. So how did it feel when you got your first yes? Oh, no, it was, yeah, it felt great, obviously. It's like, yeah, count me in. And not necessarily when they said yes, but when the wire came. When the wire <laughs> It's like a tale of two stars. Yeah, forget about when they said yes. It's like when the wire, I checked the bank account and it was in there. That's when I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it feels great. But they trust you because at the end of the day, right, it's the trust they have in you to close and to know that you know that it's a good deal and that you're not putting their jeopardy, their investment, their savings. Some of these were my friends, their savings in jeopardy. Yeah. So yeah, real money, right? right, For real things. So now that we've closed, really kind of go right up to a week, right before we close, we know we're fully funded. We have everything we need. Everything's in place. What was your guys' perspective? Like, what was that feeling? Scott, I'll let you go first. Well, being in real estate for a while, you still worry until you get the final close, right? Right, Because it's never done until it's done. So although we had all that lined up and ready to go, it took a while, a lot of work. Oh, we didn't even talk about the loan. We got to talk about the loan a little bit. You didn't talk loan all the insurance two days before closing, Corey. (laughs) Yeah, let's hit that. Let's start with the insurance first. (laughs) So as I was saying, we were ready to close and the insurance popped up and- there was a mess up on the insurance and it's oh, not like, you know, do you remember what it was? They put it under the umbrella. Well, they had quoted it under the previous policy. property manager's umbrella policy. Yeah. So we had asked for a referral because we we're having trouble finding regular insurance for this property. So we said, Hey, let's go to whoever's insuring it now. And so that was under MEBs was the property that, that was managing it before prior to us. And so we got a referral. And so we called that. He was just assuming that it was under MEB's master policy. And we didn't find this out till like two days before closing. And we actually, that almost derailed us big time because we had to ask for like a week extension, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, the problem was, is the broker calls and says, I'm getting another extension. The seller won't keep an extension past Friday. And if you do go past Friday, he's going to want more money. And I was living. Mm-hmm. I was too. So that was how it was set up. But in the end, I think we still got to close that. We got to close that Friday. Yeah, but they, we still got to give us through Monday. But we got an extension till the next Monday, right? So yeah. And sometimes, and that was made, I remember I'm making that call to the broker and I gave him, I remember I spoke my mind. I think I said a couple cuss words, right? Like what the F is this, right? Like we're trying to put this deal together And like, this is something totally beyond our control. It's in black and white. Like the insurance guy put it under the policy. No one caught it until now. And so like they were working every day to get it done. The lender, everybody wants to close. And at this point, it's like, dude, the seller wants his money. We're right here. Don't be an idiot and go be a deal killer. Be a deal maker, guy. Which he did. Now, I will say this in a way, the broker's doing his job. He doesn't work for us. He works for the seller. At the end of the day, I always say, if you got a buyer that wants to buy and a seller that wants to sell, a deal will usually come together. But it was a little bit stressful. What was up for us? We could have lost $200,000 of our earnest money. I mean, there was a lot of risk at that moment for us. Or pay an additional 50 grand for an extension of a day or two. Yeah. And like, we weren't going to do that. That that wasn't earnest money. That was money in the seller's pocket. Yeah. He didn't want additional. He wanted a fee. And we're like, screw that, dude. Like, come on. 
Don't be stupid. And don't be a D-I-C-K, right? Like we want to do future business with you. Now, and again, that broker, he forgets all of that now, right? You guys went and had lunch with him again right after we closed? Yeah. He doesn't remember all that. You guys were his friends, right? He's <laughs> he excited once- about his new car he's bought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it is, man, because they get in these transactions. It's just business. It's just the heat of the transaction. Once, if you close, sins are forgiven from the father, right? And so it's really weird how that works. You think like, God, this guy's a-hole or now he hates us. And he's like, no, 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 let's do our next deal. Yeah, that was great. We did. It was awesome. You guys did exactly what you said you're going to do. Minus the hiccups, all the stuff along the way. Because we have one more ugly. And that remember that, Waleska? That was when we had a loan and then we didn't have a loan. Right. That was from... Occupancy. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute. So we were agency. It was going to be a Freddie loan. And mm-hmm. when they checked all the leases, there were some that were 30 days behind. Yeah. I don't even think they were 30. I think they were like 10 or 15 days. Right. Was, and this is, like you know, of course, COVID still going, moratorium still in place. And their manager actually went on maternity leave, their property manager, and nobody ever came back. And so a lot of these people that were less than 30 days continued to be late. And so nobody was checking up on them. And then when they did the audit, of course, now they're 60 plus days late, which if they would have had their management in place, they could have been getting the help that's out there for people that are having problems with their the rent. So the paperwork because there's money. There was lots of money in county are we in? That's in uh, Pima, right? Pima, Pima, yeah. Pima County that they would yeah. to get the rent assistance, but right. someone had to help them do the paperwork, right? And no so one. So of course, yeah, they figure it out. The loan falls through. Now we can't do agency loan. We have to now. Now we're working on bridge loan to try to get this all. So and that was horrible because it. it happened right after we went hard. We had about. 30 days left to close. And we're all aiming to close. And Freddie was doing the kind of their final, like, where are we at? And the question was like, hey, we got to look at these because now we're about 90 days from where we went under contract to now we're getting ready to finally close 30 days later. And those 15 or 20 day lates were now 60 and 90. And there was like seven of them. Right. And seven of them on an 84 unit property is like 12, 13%. So now we were at 97%, but they're like, no, those are, we're going to consider those vacants. So now we're at like 87% or 85. And it was not good enough to get a Freddie loan. And that 12.5 that we spent, remember we had to spend 12,500 to get that loan? Gone. Gone. Yep. I like the wind. So then you got to go hire a bridge loan, which wants yeah, $75,000. Yep to go to the deal. And I remember talking to him and you're like, what the hell's going on? Right. I mean, that was like, Whoa, wait, what's our options? Like, and you don't really have any, cause we're now we're under contract. We're so far into the game that we've got to perform. But we went back to the seller and their management company, their Kim, which was the, she would be like, what the up above the manager. Oh, yeah, regional. regional. She, she went in pushing. and they, yeah. And then they started cracking the whip and then they started getting all the money. I yep. mean, they were giving us updates because they knew they had messed up. Yeah. You know? So, so, but we were still under contract. We were still at risk with our money, but at the end of the day, and here's, what's crazy is that bridge loan is probably going to be a better deal for us because we got a two-year bridge with, I think a one-year extension. Yeah. One year. Yeah. 
And like, we're working pretty fast right now on this property. We're already doing the exterior stuff. Well, it'll probably take us a year and a half to finish the turns on the units that we're going to do. And then we'll be set up with a way more additional income to get the right. We might be able just to do a refi and cash out all our investors from the lift that we're going to do with all these properties. Because the cool thing, there's a lot of meat on this bone. And Scott, you want to talk about like what we're going to get additionally in rents when we do this lift? Yeah. I think when we first looked at the property there, one bed, one bath, I think it was like around 700 square feet. I think they'll get, what was it like around 800 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And then after we do the lift on those, I think we're going to be close to a thousand dollars on those. Yes. I think a thousand thirty or something like that. And speaking with the property manager, where we had priced the rents after the rehab, they've even bumped up a little higher than that now. Yeah. The great thing called inflation. The market keeps going up there. Yeah. I mean, we got that deal in a very good deal. In fact, when we were talking to the broker, he said, you could flip this now. We got it for $91 a door. Where now, what did he say? Like 115 if not more. Yeah. So from yeah. February that we had it under contract, and I mean, just a few months, not only the prices have kept going up and... But inflation's going crazy. So rent growth is going crazy, which is creating... And we still have really low interest rates. So it's a good for us, right? We're going to do probably better than we expected. Better than we expect. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so that's the value of putting yourself in the game. If you guys wouldn't have challenged yourself and just said, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to take the time to go out and have a breakfast. We wouldn't be doing this deal. Like that was the spark to kind of ignite and catch you on fire, Right. Overall experience from this first deal, what's your general takeaways, Valeska? And I'll ask you the same thing, Scott. Well, again, it's a great experience, great learning. Your first deal is always the hardest, but once you do it, it just gets you in the game, right? It really, I mean, there's so many things that go on in each deal that you learn from that on your next deal that you're looking for, any red flags, but it's great. It's a great learning experience in every aspect, right? Dealing with the broker, dealing with the underwriting, dealing with your investors that are going to bring in the money, the due diligence, just a lot of moving parts, but definitely you learn so much from your first deal. And then the next deal, I mean, we've been underwriting now deals and we were actually just on a final round. Yeah, It's just completely different, right? Your experience on the second deal is just completely different than on the first. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's been a great experience. Very cool. So you're off the races, trying to get some more under contract and keep going forward. So It doesn't take a lot, two to three, four deals a year on the multifamily side can change your life. And you do that five years in a row, it does change your life, I promise. Yeah, for sure. Scott, what about you? My takeaway on this, Corey, was getting the first deal done. Now, when I reach out to brokers, I tell them, hey, we just recently closed on 84 units. That's in my email. And the response is totally different. And when we talk to brokers in the Tucson market, they all know that property. They all know the broker we dealt with. And so it gives us a lot of credibility with other brokers now because they see we closed on a property. They're familiar with it. And the response from the broker to us now is totally different. They're like, you guys can perform. You guys can play this game. Rock and roll. So that was my takeaway afterwards. But for people that are listening, I would say also, if you haven't done your first deal yet, I would certainly recommend getting a mentor and working with a mentor or a group that can help you get that first deal done. Even in my single business, single family residence business, I had a mentor and education. So education and mentor, if you don't have that, I would recommend finding someone to do that. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys allowing me to 
to help you on your way. And it's been really cool to watch that growth and the journey to come to the dark side and start strapping on some multifamily investing units. And it's just one deal of many for you guys, I know. And here's what's cool is a lot of times it's just you need help on the first one. Like that's it. You just have to see it done one time. And from there, most people can learn to fly on their own, especially competent people like you, Scott and Waleska. Like you guys saw the game fully and you're like, okay, we got it. We got everything that we need. And we'll go out and still make some mistakes, but we pretty much know what we need to do now. And then the world's your oyster. And you proved that you can raise capital. (laughs) So super excited. Guys, if people want to learn about your guys' company, Greenstone Capital, and want to get a hold of you guys, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? You can reach me. My email is waleska, W-A-L-E-S-K-A dot Iglesias, I-G-L-E-S-I-A-S at gmail.com. So yeah. Always checking it. So yeah, feel free to reach out anytime for any questions, any help that I can be of. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing amazing things. I wish nothing but the but more success. It was a lot of fun doing this deal with you guys. Everybody listening on the podcast. This concludes our three-part series of the good, bad, and ugly of Sierra Point. Lots of fun. Uh, hopefully you got a lot out of Scott and Waleska's of how they interpreted the deal of them going through it for the first time and really doing everything right with a couple curveballs that were thrown at us. I think those curveballs are probably the most like, wow, that stuff happens. And it does. And we got through it and we still closed and the broker still cares. And so that is an amazing story. Guys, thanks for jumping on. Guys, if you're listening right now, real estate doesn't happen by chance. It happens with a choice. And you've got to put it in your mind that you want to move forward. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible.